Welcome back. This week, we're going to talk about something that we have talked about before. We, we've talked about um, Dr. Google in, in the past um, at, on another podcast, um, but we're going to talk about it again here because th- there have been some new, um, there's some new things written about uh, this whole idea. Um, but it's also something that we see so very often in our office um, when we're working with uh, families, uh, patients, um, especially especially teenagers, um, where, where people will, you know, as they experience something, they're, they're feeling something that's either causing some discomfort or something that they don't really like all that much or they feel is problematic. And the first place they do is they jump onto Google and they, they type in some of their symptoms um, and Google will diagnose them. Right. Um, where we've noticed this, and you and I have had this conversation many times, is that People will come in, um, teenagers t- through adulthood um, will come in and you can tell by the vocabulary they're using that they have looked this up and they know some of the symptoms. Absolutely. And it's especially problematic in residential treatment centers and other facilities because kids talk to each other and they'll say to each other, you know, just use this phrase, tell them you're going to do this and you'll get what you want. And so what they're, what's happening here is that people are going to the internet, we call it Dr. Google, they go to the internet, they learn a little bit, and they come into the office with a, with a vocabulary that, that exposes them, that gives them away, that they've been, they've been looking at this on the internet. Right. And so we found this article, uh, we happened to stumble on it, there was a study done um, recently uh, the 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 primary the first author was in England, but there was the second author is in the United States. He works in a medical school in the United States, and they refer to it as Munchausen by Internet. Um, and um, but it but it got us to thinking about how frequently we deal with this in our office, especially right. in mental health. Right. Yeah. And so you know, just just to kind of clarify some of the vocabulary. Because right. um, it, it can get confusing. Um, Munchausen is um, it, it's not an official diagnosis. It's not um, it's not in the DSM or the uh, as far as I know, it's not in the ICD um, any of the diagnostic uh, manuals or anything. Uh, but it's a very common term um, or vernacular used to um, describe a person who is um, you know engaging in some behavior to to appear sick or to become sick um, with a goal of gaining something. Um, right. Technically speaking, what Munchausen is, is um, you know, the, the technical diagnosis is factitious disorder. Um, and what a factitious disorder is, is when somebody is um, falsifying information, um, either falsifying that uh, an illness, um, sometimes creating an illness, like taking things to right. become sick um, or, right. or exaggerating uh, symptoms. With the, with the goal of gaining something, gaining sympathy, gaining attention, or, or just getting something. And that, that's called a factitious disorder. Um, right. And that is differentiated from um, another similar condition called, um, uh, called um, malingering. Um, right. Malingering is when you're doing the same thing. You're, you're falsifying information about a, a condition or a disorder or something, but with the goal of getting out of something. So. Right we see this often in, in like uh, legal cases where a person who is facing a lot of trouble sometimes um, may, may falsify um, 
symptoms so mm-hmm. that they can get a lighter sentence or something if they're seen as, um, you know, incompetent or if they're seen as having some serious illness or, or mental health problem or something like that. And so we, we see malingering there. But, but again, what we're talking about here is factitious disorder, what is sometimes referred to as Munchausen um, right. syndrome. Yes. And Munchausen uh, happened to be a, an 18th century German military officer who was uh, well known for embellishing stories about his life and his experiences and how wonderful he was. And um, it's well, well, his, his stories are well documented. So when they came up with this disorder, they nicknamed it Munchausen uh, syndrome or Munchausen disorder um, in honor of Baron von Munchausen. Right. And I think what most people have heard of is Munchausen by proxy. That's right. mm -hmm. Right. And so Munchausen is when you're doing it about yourself, like a military officer, he was uh, exaggerating about himself so that he can get this attention or this acknowledgement or something from others. Um, Munchausen by proxy, when you add the by proxy, what you're saying is, is that because of someone else's you're falsifying someone else's illness with the goal of gaining some attention. So we see this with parents where they will um, exaggerate or falsify or or create sometimes (laughs) illnesses in their children with the goal of the parent gaining some sympathy um, or attention. And um, so that's Munchausen by proxy. It's the same thing. It's still, uh, you know, a a factitious disorder. Um, But the person who is um, considered sick is just another person instead of the person himself. Right. And, and I think this is particularly insidious because you're doing it to somebody else. Right. And there are children suffering regularly um, with parents who have this disorder. And it's very sad because children are, are made ill. And this, if, they, if the parent doesn't get the attention they're seeking, they'll make the child sicker and sicker and sicker. I mean, they'll actually do physical damage. And of course, uh, it goes without saying that it's, it is a form of child abuse. Um, Absolutely. And, and there's- see it with physical illnesses where kids, you know, intestinal problems or headaches or um, musculoskeletal problems. But we also see it in mental health, in the mental health arena. Right. And, and it's especially problematic here because we don't have a lab test. If somebody says, my child has digestive problems, their lab test, physical test that you can conduct. Um, we don't have anything like that, that in our business. And so you, in our field, you do rely on the description of by other people, either of the patient himself or herself, or a caregiver, a parent or, or some other caregiver. So you rely on that information, on, on the observations of others. Right. And, and so, so- so when that information is coming to us, especially with younger kids, mm-hmm. that, when that information is coming to us from the parents or something, you know, a lot of times is, is, these are things that we can't observe because right. at home mm-hmm. or um, there are things that would not happen um, outside of the house. Right. We can't observe those things. And so, yeah, it's, it becomes really difficult to differentiate between, you know, authentic symptoms and um, exaggerated or right. you know, manifest. And- and, you know, you just assume, I mean, we, I think all of us initially assume that the information we're getting is accurate. Right. I mean, you just face, you know, because it's your, the challenge is to take all this information and make sense out of it. But then you always have to keep a little part of your brain saying, but this person might be lying to me. 
Right. But it's very difficult because you don't think, at least my first thought is people are coming in here to get the help that they need. So the investment is to be honest. The, the incentive right. is to be as honest as possible. Um, but that's not always the case. Right. And, yeah. and, and I think that there's, there's a couple of reasons, I think, why that happens. One is to, to get some attention and, you know, um, to get some um, something from, from someone. Right. Um, but I think another reason is that a lot of people just, a lot of people just want an answer for why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. And, right. and you know, again, we'll get into this some, but, you know, as soon as somebody goes onto Google and you type in some symptoms, Google's going to tell you what's wrong. Um, the, the accuracy of that information is really questionable, uh, as we'll get into, but, um, uh, but, you know, they want an answer. And so they come in and they present with, you know, these symptoms because they feel like this is the answer to what's going on now just need help with it. Um, and it may not be what's really going on. Right. And, you know, Irving, Irving Yalom, Y-A-L-O-M, the famous psychoanalyst, wrote a wonderful little book a few years ago called Lying on the Couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's double meaning for lying and for lying. And, and, and in the end, everybody's lying to everybody in his, in his fictional account of this. But it is something that, that you need to be aware of, that you, you always need to be in the back of your mind. Am I getting accurate information? Right. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, <clears throat> what we wanna, one of the things we want to talk about today is how, you know, a lot of people, again, are um, identifying themselves as having different conditions or, you know, having various, especially mental health problems um, based upon, you know, what they're reading on the internet, you know, they're they're going to the internet, they're experiencing something um, and they're going to the internet and they're looking these things up and they, um, they, they are diagnosing themselves basically. Um, right. And what's fascinating is that, um, you know, they, there, there may be a couple of symptoms consistent with a particular diagnosis, but then all the rest aren't necessarily consistent until the patient starts to make them consistent, right? right? The patient starts to, to say, well, you know, maybe that's happening to me um, too. And, and they will start to make the diagnosis criteria fit them instead of right. saying they fit the criteria. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's in reverse. Right. You know, they, they, and then they come to you <clears throat> with these clearly articulated symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, but that's when you start to suspect that. Where did you get this vocabulary? Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it's especially suspicious <laughs> with teenagers because um, teenagers right. come in with a with a very sometimes with a very sophisticated vocabulary, um, suggesting <laughs> that they've had a lot of mental, uh, a lot of psychological <laughs> courses or, right. or something, and and it's like you know, how in the world did you learn that word? You know, right. um, recently, you know, we talked about this on our podcast a, a number of weeks ago, but um, dissociative um, episodes, right. depersonalization. And it's like, you know, I, I, <laughs> we studied psychology. I, I didn't hear those words until graduate right. school. Exactly. Um, right. You know, those words weren't even, <laughs> we didn't really even talk about that in my undergraduate abnormal psychology course. 
it right. wasn't in grad school that I started getting into those, but, but yet we have, you know, 14 and 15 year olds that come mm-hmm. in and talk about these experiences. They have those symptoms. Right. And there was a, there was a, a raft of those, almost an epidemic of those mm-hmm. a, a year or so ago where teenagers were coming in and they were, they were bringing this, this, these symptoms in and they were kind of talking about dissociative disorder and it became pretty apparent that they were, that at least a subgroup were, were comparing notes right. and saying, I, I think I have, I think I have this, you know, whatever I'm experiencing, I think it's this. It's a very rare uh, diagnosis. I mean, right. you wouldn't, it's not something you stumble on accidentally. Right. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And so, you know, when a person is struggling with uh, Munchausen or this fictitious disorder imposed on another, um, or on themselves, by the way, um, they they are um, there's this oftentimes leads to hospitalization. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It leads to um, you know unnecessary sometimes mm-hmm. unnecessary and, and potentially harmful treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, look, the, the reality is is that you know when when you have a particular condition, the, the treatment for that condition could be perfectly appropriate, helpful. Mm-hmm. And, and help the person recover. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that condition and you receive that treatment, it can cause you, it can cause you problems. It causes further harm, right? Right, mm-hmm. um, and it can cause harm that isn't necessarily anticipated, which makes it more difficult to get help for the harm that was caused by the unnecessary help, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, a person with this condition, you know, uses <laughs> these hospitalizations as a way to, get that sympathy or um, attention from other right. people, um, especially when it's because their child is ill um, or something. Um, and they use this to, to create relationships. They use it to um, get that attention and, and they just thrive off of this. Right. You know, most healthcare providers somewhere um, want to do the right thing for people. Right. Okay? And so it's an easy group. <clears throat> Excuse me. Take over. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, it's it, sinus season. Yes. <laughs> drink, drink your, your coffee to help. But you're right. The, um, the, the healthcare providers are really, if we want to call it this way, easy targets for this because they, they really want to, to help the, the patient. They want to help the family. They want to be attentive, provide the care that's needed. And so when they have this, you know, parent, for example, coming in that is in great distress and they're, they're really right. struggling with what's going on. The, the physician or healthcare provider is going to give them lots of attention, be, be as supportive as they can, which is then going to, you know, reinforce on the person with this, you know, condition to continue to, right. um, you know, exaggerate or, or talk about these things. And, and so it's this vicious cycle um, where the, person is getting what they want, the attention and, and, you know, sympathy and everything that they want. And the healthcare provider is oftentimes, you know, doing everything they can to try to figure out what's happening, but not feeling like they're making any progress. Right. When you go into a hospital, you're going to get the attention of doctors and nurses. I mean, there are people who are going to be attending to you. And for a person who has a pathological need for attention, um, this is a perfect place to go because you're, you're going to command attention mm-hmm. when you're in a hospital setting. But there's another issue that we're dealing with today, and that's a GoFundMe account. Right. You know, because now 
you know, years ago, <clears throat> years ago, it was just attention. Today, right. you can get money for this sort of thing, you know, right. and, and, and we're going to talk about that with the last one is that uh, you set up a GoFundMe account. You, you have this story of how sick you are, how sick your child is, and somebody can, and people are doing this and people are being prosecuted for um, starting GoFundMe accounts for individuals who are sick or individuals who say their children are sick. Mm-hmm. Right. When, they're, when they're not really sick. <laughs> when they're not really sick. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, we, we have this sort of, um, it's such a complicated and challenging situation because you don't want to, you don't want to make the assumption that someone is lying. You know, if the, if the child is sick or if the person is sick and has problems, you want to provide right. a treatment, but at the same time, you have to continue to be vigilant to make sure that what's happening makes sense based upon what you're seeing and what's being reported. Um, right. So that, you know, in the event that something is being falsified, that you identify that and protect the person who, who is um, the patient. Yeah, especially when it's done to others. And others can be a child or it can be the elderly. You know, we're, we're seeing the same thing now uh, with elderly patients. Caregivers will sometimes um, use this um, to gain um, attention by uh, putting an elderly person at risk, just, just as, as we see with children. Right. And they do it in lots of different ways. You know, sometimes you just flat out lie about the symptoms. Um, you know, right. there have been reports of people, you know, altering um, or um, changing lab uh, diagnostic tests, like um, contaminating urine samples mm-hmm. and blood samples and things like that, um, falsifying medical records. Um, some of the big ones are, you know, when, when a person will even poison or, or suffocate or, or, you know, intentionally cause an infection on on another person. Um, and you know, they, they do so thinking that they're controlling it because typically they don't, you know, want the other person to die or anything like that, but yet they are, you know, they're, they're causing these, these illnesses and this, this sickness on this. You know, you think of how complicated medical care is. And yet one of the things that people will do is, you know, blood in the urine, um, an infection. (laughs) And so you have to make sure that the blood in the urine is the same blood type as the person, as the patient, you know, and who would have thought of, you know, right. Who would have thought to check to make sure it's the, that person's blood. Right. Right. So, so it leaves the um, physician or, or the healthcare provider being a um, sort of wearing multiple detective hats. You know, they're, first they're wearing the detective hat to figure out what's going on with the patient right. and from the from the illness perspective. <laughs> they also have to do be a detective, you know, to see like how many hospitalizations has this person had. That's right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know how typical or atypical are the symptoms and are they consistent with what we would expect and what we typically see in these situations? Right. You I know, mean, and, and years ago it was a little bit easier because if you worked in a, and you and I, you and I both worked in hospitals and you'd get a patient um, regardless of age and the chart would be enormous. Yeah. You know, be real thick because before the, before electronic medical records and you'd have a paper chart and it would be huge. And right away, that would send off right. uh, alarms because you would say, well, this person's either really sick or it could be Munchausen, uh, right. either Munchausen uh, or Munchausen by proxy. Right. 
Yeah, it would, you know, we had those charts that were multiple volumes. Or there'd be two volumes. Yeah. One of three, two of three, three of three. Um, and, and, and the kid's only eight years old. And it's like, right. wow. Something. Um, yeah, but it's a little harder now because you, you don't, you don't, you might not see the entire record. It could be in storage somewhere. Right. And what's also difficult is that there are, and this is sort of the pros and cons of, of the way that things are now, is that there are so many providers that a person right. that you often see is, you know, sort of doctor shopping mm-hmm. where the, the person will go to different doctors looking for something, you know, looking for, you know, right. either, either a new perspective, a new relationship, some, some, you know, renewed interest or engagement from someone. Um, and so because of that, you may not always, mm-hmm. um, you know, when a person's building insurance, it helps because there's some, there's a common thread of record, mm-hmm. but a lot of times these folks don't use insurance. You know, That's right. If you're not using insurance. Mm-hmm. And so there's, no, there's no connection between all of these. And so you could right. just say, we've never seen anyone before and there's no way mm-hmm. to verify that. Exactly. Right. So in this particular article that we ran into, um, the person, the person's targeted were doulas, uh, D-O-U-L-A. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned about doulas because I have relatives who live in California. Mm-hmm. And doulas became, this was 20, more than 20 years ago. Um, and, and I first learned about doulas from them because they were very popular. And a doula is sort of a, it's not a medical professional. You don't really... They, you don't really need a license to be a doula. It's more of emotional support. Mm-hmm. It's a person who's present, can be present, present at birth or um, during an illness or for palliative care. It's just a person who's there to provide support, yeah. which makes the doula a very easy target for hoaxers. Right. Okay? Because they are by nature caring and giving right. and attention giving, sympathy giving. And so doulas have become a target uh, for um, uh, for factitious disorders. Right. Okay. Right. And so the woman who did this study, she's a physician in, uh, in England, and they interviewed a number of doulas and they present um, five cases where doulas were drawn in. Now, the, the issue here is that they were drawn in during the pandemic because you couldn't see somebody in person. Right. And so it was easier to do this over the internet because you never really um, were in the same room with the patient. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so they became, you know, like you said, e- easy targets. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's not just doulas, right? It was, no. you know, mm-hmm. healthcare providers mm-hmm. and professionals in general because right. it, 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 it takes... Um, it's sometimes hard to explain. It's, it's difficult to go from, you know, oh my gosh, this person is really experiencing some really difficult things in life. I want to help them to, I think this person is like, (laughs) it's really difficult to make that shift. Right. Um, Now, once you make that, and I know that you and I, we've had uh, a couple of experiences um, dealing with this with, um, with former patients um, but it takes a long time to get to that point. 
Right. Um, because you, you have to really monitor and look over time. And so, again, when you're thinking about dealing with this via the Internet, you right. know, virtual mm-hmm. sessions um, and during a pandemic, um, it, it would be really difficult to, to go from, you know, let me help to uh, being suspicious. That's right. And we're talking about this. This article happens to be talking about doulas, but it, this could be any healthcare provider. Right. And I think that as therapists, we're especially susceptible. Right. You know, by nature, we want to do the right thing. We want to listen. We want to understand. We want to work with people. And but if somebody chooses to present inaccurate information, it's going to be very difficult to tease that out. Right. And I think of um, difficult teenagers and how easy it is for parents to blame the child. Mm-hmm. You know, that the parent is presenting information right. and you assume that it's accurate, but you don't know <clears throat> whether the parent, what if the parent is provoking the child right. to have these? You're not going to know <laughs> because you're not there. Absolutely. And, and you know, in, in, in the past, um, it's it was maybe a little bit easier because we did house calls and you know right as healthcare providers we could go into the home and and see some of those things <laughs> uh, we don't really have the opportunity um and many people don't have the willingness really to right. do that anymore um but also you know in the past medical information was somewhat protected in the past and when i say protected it's like you had to go through some hoops to get to that information. You would have to go to medical libraries and medical schools and things like that to, to get information about what does this condition look like? And now, and this is why we titled the podcast, you know, um, Munchausen by Google is that you, you go into Google and you can type in any, you can get whatever you want. And, and it's so problematic because there've been research studies to suggest that, you know, a massive percentage. I think it's something like 40, 75 or 80% of diagnoses made based upon what it says on Google, what you, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you get through the search engines is wrong. Right. Um, and, and people will, but people will rely on that because um, Richard, remember back um, and this was in the, in the two, in the aughts, the, in the two thousands um, when we were uh, writing our parenting book, um, but um, at the same time, we were working on that rating scale, the, the pediatric right. fever, um, rating scale. And mm-hmm. um, there were books that were coming out about childhood onset bipolar disorder. Right. And I'll, I'll never forget that there was a book out that was considered the, the book to, to, to read about it. And um, it said, you know, if your child has any of these symptoms, it could be early onset bipolar disorder. And again, you're smiling already because I know that you remember this. There was everything listed from wetting the bed to preferring sugar and candy to um, to rages to I mean, there was I think it was a page and a half or two pages of symptoms. Honestly, that every child just about experiences. I remember you saying any kid could have this. You, you were shocked. So any kid could have this disorder. Right? Any kid. And, and so, and the same thing happens when you go into Google and you start typing in some things, yeah. you get this 
laundry list uh, of things. And yes, sometimes those things are consistent with mm-hmm. a particular diagnosis. But my goodness, if, if all you're experiencing is, you know, you, if you feel like you go from um, being happy one minute to being tearful the next minute and you type that in, mm-hmm. it's, you're going to be diagnosed by Google with bipolar disorder. Right. That's right. Because you have mood swings. Right. Um, now, that's not at all what bipolar disorder is. Right. But that's what you're going to get because of what you're typing in. And so this the, the ready, re, the readiness and uh, availability of all of this information is really concerning because it just contributes to, right. um, to, to a lot of this. Right. And as you say, there was a time when you had to go to medical libraries and you really had to do a lot of research. Right. Today, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that anymore. It's all, it's all right there on the internet. Um, so, but we, but I think any healthcare provider is going to be susceptible to this. Um, to, to patients coming in and not giving, either not giving accurate information or giving um, symptom, uh, the vocabulary of symptoms mm-hmm. where they're, they're coming in and it sounds, um, and, you, and it's obvious that they've been um, on Google or some other um, website and they have the vocabulary. And I think it's particularly problematic for teenagers because teenagers are wondering about these things anyway. It's completely normal for teenagers to think that they have any number of disorders. I can remember my daughter when she was a young kid saying, Dad, why bipolar? She called it bipolar disorder. And I don't think you have bipolar. But they're they're aware. They're aware of the symptoms. And you know, when you when um the other thing I was thinking about, when you take a psychology class, your first psychology class, and you go through the different disorders and you think, oh, I think I have that. I think I have this. And it's common among medical um students in medical school because they they hear these disorders and diseases and suddenly they think they have everything right or they start diagnosing all their family members with that <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of fun yeah exactly right. Okay. But you're right you know um you know there are there are articles and, and things out there to help clinicians mm-hmm. try to right. um you know uncover hoaxers or, or people who may be doing some of this stuff and and yeah one of the one of the main things that we can do to try to identify this is to, is just to look at consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, if a person is presenting with um, information that just isn't consistent with what we would expect with a particular condition, right. mm-hmm. um, you know, then, then th- that's a, a warning sign or um, what I, what I really, um, what I, what, what's really suspicious of course, is when, when a person comes in with actual printouts from the internet um, it's like, okay. I haven't had that one yet. <laughs> yeah, I've had that a couple of times. Um, but it's, again, it could be completely valid. Um, right. You know, there, 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 there is valid information on the internet. Um, and so a person could be completely honest and, and appropriate with, with some of these things. But at the same time, if it's just inconsistent, you know, that's when you, those red flags go up. Right. Yeah. And so, um, all, I think it, uh, all healthcare providers need to be um, need to be aware um, that it's happening. It's always happened. Um, goodness, you and I had a case of Munchausen by we call it Munchausen by proxy back in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. A, a young a child who was an elementary school age child. Yeah, and the the um, the issue there was 
one of the parents wanted him to have a mental health condition. And serious, severe. Right. And um, there was some concern that the child probably didn't have any condition, let right. alone the one that was being proposed. And um, this parent happened to go to a number of providers in this area to try to get somebody to confirm it. And right. she would just go from person to person. And um, finally, she ended up in our office, right. um, the parent of the child. And it was pretty clear that the, that the child didn't really have a serious illness, right. but the mother um, was using that, I think in part, um, to get custody of the child. I think that was another issue there. But yeah, it was a complicated mess and um, caused this kid a lot of, and he was, on a medic he was on medications that he didn't really need to take. Right. So it was sort of a sad case because the child was being adversely affected. He didn't right. know any better. He thought his mother was telling him the truth. Absolutely. And, and I think that, um, you know, that the underlying message that, you know, there's, there's sort of a twofold message with, with this podcast, I, I guess. For the, first, for clinicians, you know, we have to be vigilant and we have to be yeah. mindful of what's, what our patients are presenting with and, and you know, to be, um, you know, again, vigilant in making sure that we're looking for those consistencies and inconsistencies in presentation, right. you know. Um, typically speaking, you know, patients don't go from, you know, their deathbed to a miraculous um, recovery, back to their deathbed, back to a miraculous recovery. Um, you know, patients don't go from, you know, you're treating one illness and everything is great. And all of a sudden now they have this other dire illness, you know, right, right as they're, right as you're cutting back sessions and stuff. Now, all of a sudden they're, you know, uh, deathly ill again. Um, mm -hmm. th those kinds of things don't typically happen. They sometimes happen, but they don't typically happen. And so we, right. we have to, you know, it raises red flags. Mm -hmm. I think that the other side of this is, I, I think there are sometimes when people are experiencing something and they, they're, they're genuinely concerned and, and worried about it, even parents about their kids, and they go onto Google and they search for things. And again, they, they make the, they make the presentation, they make their, their symptoms or behaviors or anything mm -hmm. fit a diagnosis. Right. right. Um, I, I strongly believe in, in the, the power of naming things. Right. And so when you're experiencing something and you give it a name like anxiety or bipolar disorder or right. depersonalization, it's, it, it then becomes that. And so you, you take on that, um, that identity. And, mm -hmm. and now you, um, you know, all that confirmatory bias, you know, you're, you're looking for examples to demonstrate, yep, that's in fact, what I have, I do have bipolar disorder, because look, this keeps happening, and that keeps happening. And, and it creates this shift in, in the person themselves, where they start to really believe that that's what they have. It's mm -hmm. not just a factitious thing. It's like they truly believe that they are, but it's because of incorrect information that they're getting online. Right. So you have exactly. to be really mindful of where you're getting information from. Right. And, and, and it's always these, especially in, in mental health, it's always far more complicated than a list of symptoms. I mean, and that's the other thing you need to, that everybody needs to recognize that first of all, the, the people come in, anybody comes in here, they come in with what we call a presenting complaint. Right. Okay. This, this is what I'm experiencing, but that may not be the real problem. Right. So the problem you hear about 
may not be the real problem. Right. Okay. But even if it is, it's not something it's making that decision, making the decision about if a person has something and what the person might have is a complicated decision that you don't just match what you hear with a set of symptoms. You have to dig a little deeper and go after what's really going on. And that takes time. I mean, it takes more than a, a visit or two. I always say that, I mean, I'd like to think that I could do this in a single visit, but you can't. It right. takes time to peel away the different layers to finally get to the diagnosis. You don't just match these symptoms with a list of symptoms that you can get on the internet. Absolutely. And um, it, it absolutely takes time. And, um, and you know, the, the thing that I well, often do teach, you know, when I'm teaching my, my grad students and stuff, one of the things I often say is like every, every symptom, every characteristic that we attribute to a mental health condition from anxiety symptoms to hallucinations, right? All of those symptoms are perfectly normal under certain circumstances. They they're, exist. They're not a, a, a mental health disorder. Right. They're universally, you know, right. people experience hallucinations when they're on certain medications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, a lot of people, when they come off of anesthesia, for example, they will experience hallucinations. It's perfectly normal for that to happen. Then, I mean, it's distressing, but, but it's, it's not schizophrenia. Right. Um, exactly. So, so every, um, and, and it's perfectly normal for eight-year-olds or six-year-olds to talk about imaginary friends mm -hmm. and have full conversations with them, but it's not typical for a you know a sixteen-year-old or a six-year-old <laughs> to do that. Um, so, mm -hmm. so there are behaviors, you know, that are perfectly normal at some times in our life uh, or in, under certain circumstances that are diagnostic under other circumstances. Exactly. Um, so, so it requires a lot more than just looking at a set of symptoms. Exactly. And I think that's the take home message here is that whether you're presenting symptoms or you're the healthcare provider um, hearing the symptoms, it's going to be far more complicated than a list of symptoms. Absolutely. You, you can't just rely on those. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so if, if you feel like you're experiencing something or your child is experiencing something, you know, it's, mm -hmm. instead of heading straight to Google, you know, maybe go to the, uh, you know, search and, and, and find a mental health provider nearby that can help you and, and kind of explore things with you a little bit more. Right. Yeah. The symptoms are, are a, a decent starting point, but they're just a starting point. Absolutely. So, okay. All right. Well, that's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.